Guys, welcome back to the podcast. And today we've got special guest, Keefe West. So Keefe, do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Yeah, so first of all, thank you very much for, of course, having me on. Um, I am a DFAC Pro Bodybuilder. I have been competing now for coming up to, I think, six years. It'll be going into my sixth year anyway. Um, first competed back in 2017 when I was a teen. Um, went through, obviously, my junior years. I was able to gain my card out of the junior category, which, don't get me wrong, I'm super blessed about, and I was so grateful to jump out of the junior division and obviously become a DFAC pro. But at the same time, it was also like, well, now I'm kind of up against people who are like, double my age and things like that and I've been doing it for double the time that's been obviously I've been doing it but at the same time that kind of pushes me on to to know where I do stand against the, the very best of the best so that is uh, another reason why I'm super grateful for it um was that a dig at Davy Hanna there so. someone double your age yeah was that was that a dig at Davy Hanna there someone double your age mate I don't even think Davy Hanna is I think Davy Hanna's actually triple my age <laughs> <laughs> what age are you I no, I, I'm 25. 25, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think Davy Hanna's like closing on 80. I was sure he told me last time I seen him. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Anyway, he's probably no, never no. going to speak to me ever again. But I don't know if he's a listener. To be fair, I I, I reckon Davy Hanna's a listener. The, your first show though, um, that was 2017. So you did you yeah. do BNBF first, or did you do anything before that? It was actually the NABA Scotland. Um, so it was NABA Scotland was a week before the BNBF Scottish. Yeah. So. That was kind of where, and there was a, in the leisure centre that I used to train at, there was only ever NABA posters in it. Um, There was this like one guy that always done NABA shows. So the NABA Scotland poster was always up in the, the gym. So that was like why I was kind of inclined to go to that because I knew literally zero about bodybuilding. So I was like, right, that's a bodybuilding show. I'm just going to do that. Um, And then I found out that the BMBF Scottish was literally the week after it. So I was like, well, I'm going to be in, half decent shape so I might as well just kind of jump into that one as well but since I've done the um since I've done the BNBF Scottish then it's just been I, I just have done BNBF and that um, DFAC shows from there so um okay. I never carried on with like NABA shows or anything like that it makes sense being natural to stick with the natty feds to be fair although there's a lot of people kind of crossing over now but uh I, I remember seeing you at that show I remember seeing you as a teen um I actually I got up on stage for the taps half that year, actually, and I remember being fat as fuck, and I'm like, shit, I shouldn't have done that. But, um, yeah, I remember seeing you there, and it's, like, crazy to see, like, how far you've come since then, really. Um, And what what was the kind of next move after that then? So you done the Scottish that year. Did you compete at the British finals that year? Yeah, I went on to the Britain, and I got second at the Britain and then went out to... I got the opportunity to go to the Worlds and because it was like my first year I was kind of like just trying to embrace the most out of everything Um, because to be fair like I wasn't even sure if I was going to really like it because it was a case of I trained for around four years before and I was like right I'll do a bodybuilding show see if I like it if I do like it obviously it's going to be a bonus but went on to the Britain got second at the Britain and then went on to the Worlds and got uh, team team world champ at the Worlds um and obviously it ended at like a good season, but immediately I was like straight, I was wanting to compete again. Like I, I came off the stage at the Worlds and I was like just wanting to compete again kind of thing. So I'd done like four years back to back before yeah. I took. But you, um, you still made off, some amazing so. progress in that time, didn't you? Yeah, I was, I was like, I was, that was quite, that was something that I was quite like 
fortunate with was definitely the improvements that I was able to make in like really short off seasons because I was coming off of stage. Say I done like a, I finished at the Britain or I finished at the Worlds. You were talking like October, November coming off stage and then starting prep again around maybe April, May time. Um, like to be fair, in them years until around twenty nineteen, I never ever gave myself enough time to actually prep. I was always having to push myself harder than probably what I needed to be pushed. Um, but the progression that I was able to make within them time frames was, it was all right. Like it did, it carried me to where I needed to be anyway. Yeah. What do you? What would you accredit that? Um, that progress to doing? Like, what? What were you doing that you think kind of led to that? Oh man, I was just fucking eating anything and everything. Like my off seasons were sh- like through twenty seventeen to around twenty nineteen. Um, my post workout. I don't even know if you remember, but it was always two boxes of cereal. It was chocolate pillows. Like, yeah, I do remember them actually. Morris what was your top weight in the off season? Like I was on two boxes post workout every single day, and it was. I think because my my, my off seasons were that short, my appetite was never like low it was always sky high because I was literally just out of prep and by the time four or five months came I was back into prep so that was never enough time for my my appetite to to drop off so post-workout every day was like so easy to get in that and obviously again like we it was never the most nutritionally dense run of meals throughout the off season but like I've got no regrets because it it worked and I was able to gain like kilograms and kilograms and kilograms on my stage weight year by year so um again obviously things like my age and that obviously played a big role like my body was working super fast but at the same time it done the job what was your peak weight in the off season peak weight to be honest with you like it was never something that I it was never really something that I took that much to do with I was always around the kind of maybe like 35 to 45 pounds heavier than what I always was on on stage um because I always found that I usually had about at least 35 to 40 pounds to take off every single prep that I done um but at the same time as I kind of kept taking that off I was just finding that my body weight was going up more and then I was as I, as the seasons went on I've had to lose less weight to essentially get in shape but obviously it's just meant that throughout my off seasons I've been able to stay in better shape as I've went um, and then obviously I've had to lose less weight as the kind of times have went on so it's so, a lot easier doing that isn't it it's yeah. um have you changed it, your approach in off season then what's that sorry have you changed your approach in off season then or are you still doing the same thing but nah. <laughs> now now I'll eat a lot more good food like to yeah. be fair and, and if I'm being honest with you like I find that the good food now, it makes my performance in the gym like 10 times better. And don't get me wrong, like performance was never, it was never bad, but I just never ever took that much to do with it. Back when I was like competing as a teen and maybe the first couple of years as a junior, I was literally just going into the gym and just going mental every single day. And as much as I still do that, there's a little bit like, well, there's a lot more structure around everything that I do now. And I think just because of experience and knowledge and things like that, like I've been able to do a lot more with the training side. Yeah, yeah. When you say better foods, what do you mean by that? What's what's a kind of day of eating look like for you? Well, just, yeah, so like pretty much just more nutritionally dense foods. So more like whole sources of things like proteins, carbohydrates and that. Um, Again, first meal, like now, first meal on prep was obviously all my things like potatoes and oats and things like that. Oats would always be first meal, but 
when I moved to off season, like I, I think I lasted around nine or ten weeks with oats, and then I just genuinely could not eat them anymore. So, um, I, I don't get me wrong. In my off season, I'll give myself a lot more variety. I'll still eat things like sweet potato, um, white potato. I'll just incorporate a lot more things like rice, bagels, um, cereal. Uh, this is a weird thing, right? I was always a massive fan of cereal. Now I could go months without having any cereal because it's just, I don't know, there's just something there that doesn't really, I'll eat it after the show because I'm like craving them different kind of tastes. But then after that, then I could literally just kind of stick to to um my prep foods or and the additional things like bagels and rice and things like that. Like I'm a big fan of that sort of stuff. Um, But in terms of like typical full days, I'm waking up first thing in the morning, I'm having like bagels, turkey rashers, eggs. Then I'm really just moving on to like chicken and potato meals, chicken and rice meals. Uh, might have another bagel meal with some sort of protein source with it as well. Post-workout recovery and then something like white potato. Um, And then obviously end of the day might just be something like another um chicken and rice meal. If I do need it, that is because I take quite a lot of protein and quite early on in the day so then it means that by the back end of the day it might just be like a carbohydrate source i'll put in um for a final meal and i won't really need anything else i'm not really too fussed about kind of slamming like loads and loads and loads of protein because i just find it fucks my stomach up and I, I just don't see the point in um having to go through issues like that when i'm taking in enough kind of thing Fair it's enough. a bit more expensive as well eating a lot of protein yeah yeah it's like I, I've been talking like I've been talking to quite a few people lately and they've been telling me like how they're on like anywhere between like 250 and 300 grams protein and they're weighing like sub 200 pounds and it's like if I was to take in upwards of 300 grams protein man I would I would die like my stomach would just be like what is going on here so every day I'm, I'm between like 220 and 240 protein but like right now I'm sitting at around 230 um, pounds first thing in the morning so that's perfect for me um, and I don't really like I don't have any issues with recovery or anything like that so that's kind of the, the main telltale for me see if, if I started struggling with things like that and I started struggling with how I was feeling after my sessions um, and things just weren't good then I would maybe look towards upping it but I'm that's at least um around maybe 200 to 10 grams of that is from whole sources so that's not yeah. like I completely not like a lot of it's traced you know what I mean yeah yeah, um, I'm probably the same as you. I get about, well, not quite as much as you, but about 180 from like co- complete kind of sources yep. and then the rest from kind of trace. But like I've never went crazy on it. I've never even tried like upwards of kind of like 250 to like 300. I've never even tried that. Bit different for James. He's on the old uh, the old juice. <laughs> yeah, I'm on, I'm on 300 grams of protein today, like from um, actual sources of it. So I find like I can di- digest it quite well. I don't have an issue with that. But when I have like any clients working up to that, they can have like big problems. So it's so like person dependent, isn't it? Like how well they can tolerate it. And digestion is like number one as well, isn't it? If they can't digest that protein, then you're not going to get really much out of it. And it's going to fuck the whole fucking training recovery up completely. Yeah, I agree. It's an expensive piss, isn't it? It is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Going back to obviously like so where were we at there? So you don't you kind of got got the you done twenty seventeen and then you done twenty eighteen nineteen and when did you get the pro card? When did that happen? Twenty twenty twenty. Yeah, the the COVID. So year. that was fourth year and final year as a junior. So yeah, yeah. that was that was crazy that year because remember um the show was meant to be September. Yeah, um, back to November. You, you were prepping on that year, weren't you? Yeah, I got to fucking what was it? I was. 
four days out. I was on the first day of like carving up, and I yeah. was at this stage where like it fucking hurt me to walk upstairs. My calves were getting a pump, and then I got a message. I think it was you that messaged me actually, and you're like, "The show's been put off to like four weeks down the line." And yeah. I was just like, yeah. "Fuck this!" Oh shit! Fuck. Yeah, I remember that. That was like in hindsight now, I'm like, fuck, I should have just went through that last four weeks and you did and look what fucking happened. It's like one of those fucking things, but I was on death's door at that point, like and I'm back there again. Definitely the the hardest part because I can remember that it got it got moved first. It like it got moved and everybody was fine with it. Yeah. So then we eventually got to it, and then obviously the four days or three days before it, I'm sure it was on like the Thursday, the show was this Sunday. Um, and then it was like uh we were going into lockdown for another month and it meant the show had to be postponed for another month. So there was still no like guarantee that it was going to go ahead, but yeah. it was like, I, I crumbled like I did. I, I was, that was like a big struggle. But at the same time, I was like, I think because the reason, really the reason that I was competing was because every year that I'd done the Britain, I got runner up and the year before that 2019 there was like loads of things that was up in the air about things like the results and that. And I'm never one, I would never be one to jump on social media and bitch about it. I would rather just get back to the graft and do what I need to do. And that's what I did. And that's why I was so ready to get back on the Britain stage. And because obviously I had a straight invite towards the Britain anyway, Um, it was obviously I, that was just what we were shooting for. So I think even if I had to, if I had to do another eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever the fuck I would have had to do, I would have done it just because of where I was at and where my head was at towards that show. But it paid off. Um, we ended up having a good day and, and then it was off season for around, I don't know, like 18 months or something like that. It was the longest off season I've ever took anyway. It's about time. You needed that. Yeah, definitely. So I, I can say you needed that, but you didn't because you kept coming back better and better. So the short off season comparative to the long off season, do you think you've seen a huge difference in having a longer off season? Mm, it's a hard one because I was de- like I was definitely improved on that, obviously, from um twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two. But I don't know if I made more progress in that time than what I did in the short off seasons but again it's again it's super hard to tell because there was just loads of things happened in like 2021 as well like it, there was just loads of shit up in there there was just loads of issues with everything like general life was just it was just shite and yeah. because of that I think right my office never suffered but I think it could have been better and that's like now this off season I've been in it for well, when was the British last year? October. So I've been in this for eight months or something like that, maybe a little bit longer, nine months. And oh, like so far, this has been by far, I know this has been by far the best off season I've ever had. Um, Obviously, it's it can only get like better. You can only progress over years. But compared to any other off seasons that I've had, this has definitely been by far like the best. You, um, you definitely can regress because I've seen people do it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're not one of these guys that's like, fucking sushi on your wedding sort of thing like off season is just pure spec do you eat a little bit of shit in your off season yeah absolutely mate after this i'm going for a five guys so you need to enjoy it though don't you you can't be <laughs> fucking 100 percent year round your head and literally just fall off it? yeah it's i'm like don't get me wrong right there's a lot of people that i've got a lot of respect for in the industry and that but i'm absolutely not somebody to have sushi for an off-plan meal in the off season no thank you I would not thank you for a fucking plate of sushi. To be fair, I like it, but it's like, you know, it's not, I mean, it, 
it is an off-line meal, but it's not really, if you know what I mean. It's not the fucking worst thing in the world. And if that's the worst thing you're having, if that's the worst thing you want to have, fair enough. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. for me, it's like in the off-season, I'm fucking probably having a takeaway once a week. Um, I'm probably eating shit daily, to be honest. Like, I was having a fucking bar of Galaxy Caramel every night. That's hard to cut out. <laughs> that is hard to cut out. When yeah, it comes the calories up. Yeah, now I have now I have like my final meal of the day and I have a can of Pepsi Max. So it's like, yeah, this is this is it. That's <laughs> that's hard. hard. But um, that's... so when's the next show for you then, Keith? When are you next prepping? Oh, right now, probably back end of next year, Grand Prix twenty four. Yeah, Grand Prix twenty four. I mean, I say that right now. There's no plans in place. There's no like. There's no head on towards anything i'm just taking this off season first of all as it comes we'll see where we're at next year um and just kind of take things from there i'm in no rush that's the thing like i'm in no rush to get back up on stage just i've got nothing to prove to obviously the you never have anything to prove to anybody regardless but i've got nothing to prove to myself or anything like that like i'm enjoying training i mean i i live the lifestyle regardless so if i don't compete for another 10 years i'm still gonna live the lifestyle this there's, there's nothing like that but um if I had to say a time then we would probably look at um next year just because obviously that'll be another full year um off kind of thing. So yeah. So like going back to like obviously starting that, like the goal for you, like I've seen you talk about the Olympia stage and things like that. And is that very much the goal for you? Is that what you want to do with this? It was. It it was the goal. And I say that because I was very much head on on, on making that jump um last year uh, because I just felt ready everything was just kind of in that position where I felt ready and like I'm the last person to ever have anything against obviously that side because that's bodybuilding and I love bodybuilding and I'm the last person to have again like have shit with that side but when we went to the Arnold's last year around maybe a week after the Arnold's or I think potentially even a couple of weeks after I actually signed with Gasp so I did and the main reason behind them signing me was obviously because of what I'm doing for the natural bodybuilding side of things. And that to me was quite a like big, not like, it was just a big out. Like it, it took me a lot to kind of process all of that. Cause I was like a week out of, out of competing. My head was up my arse. I was like, what is happening here? Um, Because I was looking at like companies like that thinking I'm only going to get looked at by a company like that. If I am like just to the girls, 260 pounds shredded like a freak do you know what I mean you look at their athletes and you're like they're all freaks they're olympians and that's like fine that's fair enough but it's like when they kind of came forward that gave me a little bit more of an insight of what I was actually doing because I just looked at it as right I was a natural bodybuilder I went and trained I done my thing and that was it but at the time there was going to become that place where I was ready to make the jump um because the goal was head on for the olympia and that's all I, I just seen that um but then something else that kind of has pulled me back a little bit more from it has just been how prestigious something like an IFBB pro card was but how not prestigious and prestigious it is now don't get me wrong competing on a pro level is totally different to winning your pro card right but winning your pro card especially an IFBB pro card it was like that was the pinnacle like you were a bodybuilder you your goal like dream was becoming an IFBB pro now with the way that you see IFBB pro cards being given out, like, and even pro cards being given out to naturals, I just, I kind of feel as if that prestigious part of it's been taken away. Now it's just a pro card. And it's a lot about money, isn't it? Yeah. Like so much, so much. Like 
take it back to when there was just one or two IFBB Pro cards a year. That's when it was huge. Now, like, there's fucking thousands of pros each year. And don't get me wrong, like I say, when it comes to competing at a professional level, it's totally different. But then it's like, you just become another kind of fish in this massive pond of IFBB pros. And it's like, where do you kind of... I don't know, I just lost a little bit. I lost a little bit from that side, but... Again, never say never. It's, I'm not saying that I'm not going to compete for my IFBB Pro card at some point. I would never say never, but right now that's kind of where my headspace is at. So two massive reasons why, though, definitely like with gasp as well. That's crazy. That was quite a yeah. That was quite because like I was always I always wore gasp. I always like kind of I respected what their outlook of the industry was, and that was why I kind of was always in their clothing and stuff like that. But at the same time, I would. If I was looking at a sponsorship with something like them, I would never have expected it until I was at least at a level where I, I thought that I would have had to have been to to receive something like that from them. But then when they actually came forward, then it was kind of like, oh fuck, like something must be all right here. Do you know what I mean? So I think you're doing all right. But um yeah, you're right. And like going back to like that that pro card thing you were saying about the IFBB stuff, like for anyone that doesn't realize within the BMBF to become what Keithy is, a DFAC pro, you've got to qualify for the British finals, right? So you've got a place in like what top three kind of thing at, at qualifier in your class. And then you've got to go to the British finals and you've got to win your class there. And then you've got to beat the winner of the rest of the classes there and win the overall there. So like there's one person a year in, in the BMBF that becomes a pro, one person. Sometimes they've done two a couple of times when they've been feeling really nice, but um, yeah. yeah, one a year essentially, and so it's not it's not an easy thing to do. And a BMBF British Finals is is tough lineup, isn't it? It's always a strong, strong show, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's been that that was like one of the things as well why it's kind of it was such a big deal for that happening because again, as much as I was still wanting to do really well at the like at the British Finals, my goal was. And heart was set straight on just becoming junior British champion because every year I'd always won the qualifier, but I'd always went to the British and I'd always got second. Like I got second for like three continuous years, the first few years, and then on the one before the um show in twenty twenty, that was kind of when there was just loads of shit. And then twenty twenty, it was like right, junior British champion, just want to box that off. That was like this major thing that I just wanted to box off, just a British title. Um, because like you'll know yourself, the worlds is definitely special. Qualifiers can be really hard as well, but the British finals is where like that's essentially where the best of the best is at. So it was just like I, I just wanted that British title. Um, so twenty twenty got it. Obviously went into overall. Then it was like I was not expecting to like take the overall. That was definitely a, a shock to the system, but it was. It was um not the worst day out. We were able to kind of have a clean sweep, and then that was it. But and then, then you done the pro class as well, didn't you? Yeah. So I actually done. I actually I the they done it. They for that show they allowed the person who won the pro card to go into the pro class that night, and I I was fortunate enough to win that as well, which was pretty bonkers because again because obviously i'd won the card i was kind of just going in i was going in with no expectations i was going in just to have fun like i was good I, I knew i was going to get like pushed hard i'd already been pushed hard on the day and obviously i was like right go in have a bit of fun with everybody like not place but 
it's just a it's like a big moment to just be invited into that pro class instead of having to wait a year and then or compete whenever I was going to be ready. So that as well was definitely um weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're saying that, and like, obviously, you went into that that show like with the expectation of like, look, I'm going to try and win my junior um class here. But like, one thing that like I, I commend you a lot for is like your your mindset. Like, nothing's impossible. And like, I'm I'm kind of going more back to even just like the lifts in the gym, like some of the deadlifts and things like that you do. Talk us through a little bit about like kind of how you apply that mindset and how you go from how you went from this guy that's been training in a leisure center and fucking where, where is it you're from? Um, Stranraer. Yeah. yeah. And to all of a sudden, you know, you're this DFAC pro training out the fucking best gym in the country. Yeah. So. I, back when I trained, obviously I came up through a leisure centre because where where I stayed, there was no other gym within, say, like a 60-mile radius that I was going to be able to train out of. So realistically speaking, I was either going to have to train at the leisure centre or not train. That was pretty much how it was. So at the time I was training, I wanted to become a pro wrestler. I never wanted to become a bodybuilder. I wanted to become a pro wrestler. I wanted to be John Cena. That was literally it. And in that sense, like I was like, right, I'm just gonna have to make this work. So I made it work and obviously got into the wrestling and stuff like that. And through the wrestling, like the wrestling was really it was really disciplined to the point of right, you had to show up even when you were shit. Because when you were learning to become a wrestler, you were shit for a long time until you started kind of getting bookings for shows and promoters would start noticing you. So realistically speaking, you had to always work your way up the ranks through that. And I think because of that, I was able to then carry that throughout my training um and i got into because in the gym and the leisure center i didn't really have access to a lot of machines or anything like that it was just like barbells some dumbbells lying on the floor um and i either had to make that work or again i wasn't going to train so i kind of was brought up with just your your basic barbell movements dumbbell movements um and i kind of along that way obviously i was fortunate enough to be blessed with some sort of level of strength to be able to work with that. Um, but at the same time, I think the mindset towards training has always got to be way further than than what you would naturally expect. Because again, it came down to there was always one thing that I'll never ever ever forget that I always used to look at this guy that came in, right? He came into the gym and it was it wasn't natural or anything like that, right? But he just looked freaky. And I always would be like, I would just want to be like him. That was like the way I always seen it. But I'll never forget, he told me that I was never ever to, I was never ever to have the goal to be like him. I was always to have the goal to be better than him. And I feel as if that's what's brought me up through literally anything I do, because I know there's always going to be people that's going to do more, but if I'm always shooting to be better than regardless whoever it is, I'm never shooting to be like somebody I have my idols in bodybuilding, but I don't see anything as not possible because I only have in my head to be that bit better. And especially nowadays, the stuff that you see throughout Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, social media in general, the limitations that people set on themselves or the path that people take, but they'll only push themselves so far because they can't do this because of genetics. They can't do this because they're not blessed with strength um strength like growth behind them they're they're not blessed with this they're not blessed with that they can't they simply just can't do something i think like if you have 0.1 percent of 
self-doubt towards not being able to do something because you think you can't do it. You'll never you never will do it. Like I always had the goal of the Olympia. And if I wasn't in the headspace that I was in right now of how I feel about everything and with how things have changed, I would still be head on towards it. But things like training, strength and training, some of the sets that I've done in training, like that is genuinely just my training. But that is I don't do that because it's like, oh right, I know I can do that. I do that because I am taking myself to places where I know that it's I know that the possibility of it happening is there. And so this the limitation side of things within natural bodybuilding, I just don't think exists. I genuinely don't think exists. I'm not sitting here saying that I'm going to be able to look like Big Rami naturally, because at the end of the day, I'm not saying it in that sense. But when it comes to doing the the impossible as a natural athlete, I don't think that I don't think that exists. Like I'm I'll always get it because of the training and things like that and some of the silly things that I've done in training. But at the end of the day, it's like I'm doing that because I want to be able to showcase what you can actually do without yeah. obviously using gear. And that then comes back to me saying that, like, I'm not doing that because I'm fucking so against gear and I hate gear and I would never use it. It's like, I'm not against it. It's just, I feel as if a lot of people like to use it as a reason on why they can't do something because they're natural when that's just bullshit. Absolutely. I think something is, is huge within natural game. And honestly, I'll admit, I, I fell into that trap for a long time. And like, just even seeing some of your posts and some of the shit you say, it actually just reminds me, it's like, no, just like, you know, I'll, I'll look at the 60 kilo dumbbells and I'll say, because I'll think to myself, because I'm natural, I'm never going to fucking press them. I'm, I'm doing 50s. That's great for like, the you know, my weight and for me being natural, but I'm never going to do 60s. And it's like, no, fuck that. Like when, when I first started training, I was pressing 15 kilo dumbbells and there was like 45s in that gym. And I was thinking, there's no way I'll ever press them. And, you know, bit by bit, like every, every day you go back and you get a little bit better, a little bit better. Before you know it, you're pressing those 45s. But somewhere along the way, I've just thought, well, nah, this is the fucking limit. This is about as good as it'll get. And, like, it's definitely something I need to regain because, again, it's going to limit your your um, potential within natural bodybuilding if you're limiting, you know, essentially how, how well you can perform in the gym and then obviously how much muscle you're going to gain from that. But... The more you perceive something to be true, the more likely it is to become true. So your thoughts, like like Kai Green says, thoughts become things, don't they? How do you find that, James, on the unnatural side of things? Do you feel like there's no limit? It's there's obviously a limit with everyone, isn't there? Sort of like genetics, but you just need to keep doing how well you can do, and obviously don't think there's any. It's the doubt thing, like Keith said. Then as soon as you have any doubts, then everything's gonna go to shit. And just thinking what's the worst that could happen. So you just put in a big negative spin on it. So you just gotta think positive and literally do the best that you can do and then see where it gets you. Yeah. And what do 100%. you do, Keithy, on those days where like or do you get those days where progress doesn't go your way? Because your your Instagram's all about huge PRs and you know, every 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 day seems to be a huge PR, but is there those days where it doesn't go your way? There's hundreds of them days, and that's definitely something else. Like, I'm a realist when it comes to. I know I'm not gonna progress every single day. I know I'm not gonna be able to fucking beat numbers every single day, but it's something that I can really only use as like something that I like to kind of pride myself by as well as just being able to show up every single day because I've done this almost ten years now, training wise. It's like nine and a half years or something like that, and th there's probably been more more sessions that I've had that I've not progressed over sessions that I have progressed. But I feel as if that's only because I'm at a level now where it's 
not the easiest thing on the planet to like top a 320 triple off the floor. Do you know what I mean? I'm at that point now where that is becoming hard. Don't get me wrong, on loads of other movements that's maybe non-major tax and compound movements, I probably am progressing on them, but I don't track them. I go by how I feel. Um, I'm training, but I'm training on feel every single day. Um, so I'm not actually going in and kind of using a logbook to know what I've done the week prior and that don't get me wrong obviously on my bigger movements and I, I know what I've done before like I'm we're, we're not daft at the end of the day we know what we've done on them so it's a case of always trying to do a little bit more but I'm always working in different rep ranges as well Um, again working in different rep ranges taking them to failure I love things like intensifiers so drop sets rest pause sets and things like that so again that kind of puts me in that place of not tracking that much just because I'm doing lots of things like drop sets and that in which Again, when I trained out at the leisure centre, there was a guy that used to work in there. Um, or actually, I think he still does work in there. But when I trained in there anyway, he would always come and like help me put me through my sessions and stuff like that. So it was constant drop sets. It was constant like high volume work, like three, four sets each movement. And they were like fucking tough sets. But that is another reason. Like I was not really ever interested in tracking training or anything like that. So don't get me wrong. There's been... I think because of that, I know there's loads of sessions that I don't progress in, but I just don't kind of, like, I don't beat myself up if I go into the gym and I don't feel as good of, as what I felt, like, say, the week before. Because at the end of the day, I know there's going to be sessions like that. And I've I've definitely been in that kind of, I've been in that position before where, say, I've went into deadlift and I've had something in my head and it's just not went to plan. Um, And I've been in that position before where I've kind of been like, oh, fuck this. Like, I've been, I've been, like sad about it I've been genuinely like upset about it but then I kind of I'm so over days like that now where it's like just get over it and move the fuck on like there's going to be another session tomorrow there's going to be a session the next day there's you're going to deadlift next week again like it is what it is so the way that I look at it is like if I go into the gym and don't progress I'm not going back the way if I still show up in that session and I still give what I've got on that day then I'm fine with that but I, I I won't not show up I won't just wake up and be like oh like I'm I'm fucked today like and I'm, I'm not gonna go in and fucking deadlift or I'm not gonna go in and say like do legs or I'm not gonna go like go in and do something because that again comes back to me as like doubt within myself so I need to at least show up I need to at least do what I need to do and go in and if I go in and it goes tits up then it goes tits up but um I would feel a lot worse if I left it or if I went in and kind of was like, right, I'm feeling horrendous today, so I'm just going to pull back. I'll still go in with confidence. I'll still go in with my head on and really whatever happens, happens. Um, but like I say, like there's loads of sessions where I'll go in and, and, and not do more. Um, the thing with something like Instagram is Instagram's definitely just a highlight reel. Like Instagram's always going to see the big lifts. Instagram's always going to see the good things. But there's definitely a lot of days where I'm going in and, I, I don't really take anything major from the session that you would put up against a 300 kilo deadlift and be like, oh, fuck, that's amazing. Like, there's lots of sessions where I go in and lift nowhere near that. But it's just really, because I train by how I feel, Um, that's really why I kind of, I'm not really that arsed about going in and getting upset about not beating a logbook number. That's cool. I think touching on that, on that then, for me, myself, the last, like, year or so, I've definitely come away from logbooking because there's so many things that can affect your like performance in the gym, whether it's like sleep, nutrition, 
all of the shit like that. Um, so I, I think it's pretty useless. As long as you're like in those rep ranges and failing in those rep ranges, then it's cool. If you're just going into the gym to chase like one specific number, saying, right, you've got eight one week, you want to get nine the next, then you're just going to lead yourself to getting like fucked up, injured or anything like that. So it's something like I didn't really do with my clients anyway. I always stuck within the ranges, but myself, I was always thinking, right, going in the gym, chasing numbers, writing down shit. But it's always stemmed from the like high intensity like days and you know all the, the jp stuff not like don't get me wrong it is good that stuff and it really got me into the bodybuilding but there's only so far that's going to take you before you end up getting fucked up i think yeah, it was interesting I you said that as well like because there is every second guy you see in the gym at the minute like they've got a fucking yeah. logbook with them and again i'm, I'm similar to you james like I, I went through a period of doing it uh, mostly because my memory is fucking shit and i've no idea what i've done in each lift but like i went for a period of doing it and uh Again, you come away from it because it's just there's so many variables. But um, what about like sets and reps, Kiffy? Are you like, do you come in and you're like, right, I've got three sets of 10 on this, or is it more intuitive, like you were saying? Yeah, I'll kind of go in and I'll go by how I feel most times. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm I've went through a big phase of doing like top and back offsets. So I'll go in and I'll I'll not have a specific rep range on them, but I'll know I'm going in to do a top set and a back off. So say for example, I'm going in to do like a chest supported T bar um T bar row, I'll go in and look at like say a minimum set of six reps. Like I don't really like doing anything unless I'm doing something with a barbell. You'll never see me do less than six, eight, ten reps. I'm always one to keep them above that. So say I'm doing like a top set, I'll work up and try and do it. Could be like it could literally be a set of six, but it could also be like a set of ten. And then like if I was doing a, a back off set or a down set or whatever. I would then say drop just a little bit off it um, and then just, again, go until I can't go anymore. But I'll always try and drop off enough to know that I'm going to get like at least maybe another five, six reps on, on top of what my my top set was. Um, and then, again, I'll gauge it by that. So I might just do two sets on something, but then I might move to something else and might be feeling a little bit like better from it. And I might do three sets on that, I might do four sets on it, just depending on, on again, how um I am feeling. But what I've, I've found recently is... I've been doing a lot more kind of like like pyramid sets up the way. So I'll do a set of like, say, 8 to 12, and then I'll go up and wait. I'll look for 8 to 12 again. I'll go up and wait, look for 8 to 12 again. And pretty much when I get to a point where I've done like a really fucking hard set of like 8 to 12, I'll be like, right, that's me. I'll just move on now. Um, that's what Jay Cutler used to do, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty similar, yeah. 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 I kind of, um, I have this thing where it's like, if I go on an exercise and, like even deadlifts, for instance, done deadlifts the other day. I seen an old video of me doing one eighty for fifteen, and I was like a fair bit heavier back then. I was like, "Fuck, it, I'm gonna try it again, see if I can get it." Got fucking fourteen because I didn't count right. But anyway, <laughs> this way, I was pretty fucking minced after that. I had nothing left, yep. and I was like, "You know what? That's deadlifts done. I don't need to do anything else." Yep. But some days I'll maybe do a set, and it'll maybe not be quite as intense as that. And I'll be like, "Well, I'll do another one then." So like, I kind of, I kind of go till I think I've rinsed that movement. And then I'm like, right, on to the next one. Sometimes that might be one set. Sometimes that might be five sets. But it just totally depends. But then clients, when you set them up and you're putting on a program, you know, you've got to give them something to go by. But when I say to them, I'm like, don't really worry about sets and reps. Just worry about the intensity. They're like, what? Like, because people yeah. think there's this magic formula. It's like, you've got to do fucking three sets of 10 to 12 or three sets of this or whatever. But in my opinion, that just ends up leading to, well, I've done 12 reps. That's that. And so yeah. dependent on the person again, isn't it? Like you could get a beginner and then literally one set on one muscle group would be like good enough. And then soon as they've like progressed that, obviously can start increasing the sets. But when I find like when you get like really advanced and you've got that skill of training with like high intensities, 
then those sets start coming back down again. If you get me, so you start a pretty low volume, then you go pretty high, and then when, once that intensity is up there, then it's pulled back to like pretty low volume again ish. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's like a skill being able to do a really good intense set and being able to get what you want out of it and get it done in one set. Like that is it takes a lot of skill, and sometimes I don't get that right. That's why I end up doing like three or four sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, it's cool to hear that as well. Like just in in a world where everyone's obsessed with sets and reps and logbooks, you're just like nah, just go in and lift. That's that's really it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely the way that like I've always been, and I enjoy training more than anything else. And I've I've tried um like even changing my split. I've tried the login but i've just seen after a couple of sessions and i mean like after like two sessions the enjoyment part of it's just started to kind of dwindle away and i'm like i am in here to enjoy this like this is my time out of the full day that i enjoy the most and that's literally it and that again kind of goes back to me going into the sessions and not progressing don't get me wrong sometimes it can hurt a bit but at the end of the day like i'm going in because i, I just enjoy to go in and lift as heavy as i can on that day and then go home and that's me satisfied like that is my need for every single day that needs to be satisfied and and that's me but now I feel as if it's getting to the point where people are like people are getting so over obsessed about tracking and and progressing in the gym that they're thinking that is the only way and then what you're seeing is that's them putting a massive sacrifice on loads of things because they're they're getting so obsessed about numbers so they're they're sacrificing their form and everything's going to shit from that then they're going in and they're not beating a um they're not beating a number so immediately they're depressed and the whole session goes to shit or they go in and they don't beat a number at their first exercise and they just go home because they're like oh this is this is not meant to be today i'm not meant to be here and that's the day when it's like just fucking go in and lift like what is hard about going in and lifting like everybody knows how to put effort into something so just go in apply effort and you'll be absolutely grand and that's definitely something that i've just like i I, like i say i enjoy to train over anything else so i want to be able to know that i'm going to go in even on the days that i'm tired and feeling wrecked that i'm still going in and once i get in i'm fine i'll go in and enjoy myself and then leave what i find with people who do log and track absolutely everything we said it in the last podcast they're pretty much built like that pen that the fucking skinny as fuck most of them not all of them yeah i feel built like that pen right now fuck you (laughs) Yeah, it's you're just, a few weeks out. It's okay. <laughs> you're just too like over analyzing absolutely everything, and they're just forgetting about the main part, like you just said, Keith, about the intensity and enjoying the training. Yeah, I think that's a huge part. Definitely. I I was watching uh, the straight from the table from the Northern Irish show, uh, Keith, and I must say, like, yeah, uh, you made Dave K look a little bit small. You know that. <laughs> I wonder if Dave will listen to this. What happens? <laughs> Was, Dave's, gonna, was, Dave's gonna Dave's gonna listen to this and then every straight from the table video now, Dave's not gonna stand in the middle. Yeah, it was all angles, Dave. If you're listening to this, I know you've got him. I do know you've got him, but uh Dave, Dave, Dave rents me at the Britain. So it's I mean Dave, Dave doesn't need any angles, he knows that. Yeah, that's it's usually that band shot outside the body academy. Eh? Guy gets right. Oh, yeah. That's that's a game over one. That's that's like Dave's shot to just kind of just stick the knife in everybody and just be like nobody is going to touch me but then and everything else he's like yeah i'm going to get the worst angle here so like i look the smallest and then just turn up and just just smoke everybody that's pretty much just what dave does the even worse thing was um alex was stood there as well and alex is like same as me like six weeks out right now and he's just like 
<laughs> Looking like death, it's just like, yeah, he had no chance. He had no chance in that one. But, oh, um, man. So first show. What's that? What's your first show? Right. Yeah, I'm going to do the Midlands. It depends. Oh, yeah. If Keithy's judging, then, you know, hopefully I'm on his good side by now and uh, maybe we'll do that one. Is but, that um, why you asked him on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> this, this is the next one. I'll, what I'll do is I'll send you my um, PayPal link and obviously yeah. we can work out something and I'll be there. I thought it'd be a brown envelope job, cash. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so next week we've got another BNBF judge on. We're just going to get them all on. Like, yeah. Get them all on site. That's why I was careful what I was saying about Dave there. I was like, fuck, Dave might be judging. I'll take it yeah. back. I'll, I'll try and get some inside information so the next six weeks of podcasts you can get at least one judge on. If oh, I need some PCA it. judges on. Hang on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you can find out who's going to be competing as a lightweight, I'm going to get them on a bit. Oh, you don't look too good, mate. You, you sure, you, sure you're feeling all right? <laughs> you need another four weeks? Three, four weeks? <laughs> yeah. I think there's a Northern qualifier after. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, that was my original plan, the Northern. And then, um, I don't know, just... I think I think it was Vicky that mentioned the Midlands to me because Alex is doing it. And then, I don't know, I just got fixated on that. And then it's like, well, it's two weeks sooner than this. I suppose the only thing with the Northern is you run that risk of, like, if I did fuck up and then qualify for just, the British. Aye, aye. But 100%. if I didn't, we just... maybe, maybe a sign I shouldn't do it. Well, I mean... <laughs> but um, it's, it's always one of them things, isn't it? With it being the last qualifier. Yeah. Ideally, I would have done the Scottish, but um, just I was away that weekend, so I couldn't do that. So that was a bit annoying. But the Scottish is obviously handy. It's fucking 20 minutes from the house. Mm. It's like you don't need to worry about hotels and shit like that. And that's the stresses that come with competing, isn't it? When you're like in different places and fucking trying to get your food sorted. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not great, to be honest. I would have rather competed at home. But uh, you, you've done it in obviously Miami. Like, how did you find that? That must have been tough. That was the first year was definitely the hardest because I went out and I was like, what what do I even do here? Like, it was funny because like when I competed as a team, I was I went out myself. Obviously, I was like with the team and that, and everybody was like super helpful. But I was also like out there myself, and I went into like whole, uh, what is it? I can't even remember the place, Whole Foods or something like that. The big place was. I was like I was going in, and I was just like because I was obviously at the the back end of prep as well. I was going in and just spotting like Oreos rather than looking for like chicken. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, it was hard that way. And then obviously, whenever we went to Miami, we stayed in like hotels and that. So nobody had like, nobody was staying in like Airbnbs or anything. Um, so we obviously never had like cooking facilities or anything like that. So everybody was just kind of working off of like microwaves in the in the hall of the hotel and that. Um, like don't get me wrong, they were super helpful. The hotel towards everybody competing because it was that like that convention center bit. Um, but it was just a case of. I'd done a lot of traveling with the wrestling beforehand. So I was always having to prep loads of food and take it with me over the course of like three, four, five days. So I think I just kind of treated it the same as that whenever I went away to Miami and just tried to prep as much as I possibly could. And to be fair, even like now, whenever we go away for like three, four days at a time, even if I've got like six meals per day that needs to be cooked, I'll just prep absolutely everything and not have to worry about like cooking when I get there and things like that because I just feel as if that sends my stress levels through the roof and I'm just not one to try and stay as stress free as I possibly can. Absolutely, that's uh, bodybuilding turns you into like a little bitch. Really, it's like you're going somewhere you're like, oh, how can I prep my meals? Pretty much, <laughs> that's literally it. It's like so I'm here like heading away for like three, four, five days and having to batch cook like ten kilo of potato just to 
make sure that I'm covered for a few days. It's, it's definitely easier when you're prepping than in the off season, like when you've got a lot of food to eat. Like I'll I'll, I'll be honest, like if I'm going somewhere for three or four days in the off season, I'm just fucking winging it. I'll maybe take a few protein bars, maybe take yeah. like a shake or two, but there's no way I'm prepping all the food. I just can't can't be arsed with that. But you don't have to either. That's the thing. Like, but when I have to, you're prepping all the food. Like, like yeah. when we're over in Ireland other week, like first thing I done when I got there, food shop, food yeah. prep. Like I took some with me, food shop, food prepped, make sure everything's prepped for the week. And as you say, get that stress kind of out of the way. And it's like it's one of those things, like you when you're a bodybuilder, you do whatever it takes, won't you? Yeah. 100%. Some uh, clients can take note of that, do whatever it takes. Um, cool. So, look, we've took up enough of your time, Keefe. Um, Obviously, thank you for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to add to the end of this? No, all is good. I think I've um, think I've went over pretty think much you, everything. Um, I think you've covered life. I, just, I think I would just like to see less people using the handles in the gym and more people on platforms um, and lifting <laughs> heavier weights. But apart from that, I mean... That's, that's really it. depends how you use the D-handles. We could get into a debate there, but it depends how you use them. But what was no, the one you posted no. once? Was it a fucking Smith machine or something? That's... With D-handles on it. What the fuck's gone on there? I don't mind fucking people on the pet deck putting D-handles on it. I was like, what What the fuck? What, it doesn't do anything to it. The, the, <laughs> do you know how you... Do you know the gym shop pull-down machine? The plate-loaded single-arm pull-down machine? Oh, we've got that, yeah. Well... Yeah, people put D handles on that in Ultra Durham, so that's fuck. That's a that's a D handle. You need to handle like that for a reason. You don't need to add a. That's how you D handle a D handle. So (laughs) (laughs) I I would actually add an extra D handle to the D handle just to be Uh, safe. You know that. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, but to be fair, you must see some fucking mental shit in that gym, like compared to what. I see in the body academy and probably what James sees in Metcon because they're smaller gyms. You must see some crazy shit. Like what? What is the most crazy thing you've seen apart from that D handle on the D handle? I think I to be fair, I think it would be something like that. But to the majority of the time you go in, there will be D handles on pretty much most machines. Um, like your pull down machines and that. So obviously, there's a lot of like ISO pull down machines in Durham. There's always D handles on them. There's always a set of D handles that um. The, the pec decks as well and it's just like to be fair like a lot of people do spend the majority of their sessions on a cable machine which is like that, that's everywhere to be fair don't get me wrong right these these exercises have got their places but it's when you see a lot of people nowadays just kind of thinking that is the only way and that's the best way kind of thing so they go in and they've, they've got a coach which again is fantastic but this coach is then programming them to pretty much do their whole back session on a fucking cable machine and you just see people wasting time and wasting time and wasting time. And then they get six, eight months into their their run of like what they've been doing with their coach. And obviously they've hardly made that much progression. And then they're kind of like, what am I doing wrong? And it's like, well, that kind of is what you're doing wrong. Maybe move away from that and obviously have a, a little look into other things. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I say, cable stuff has got its like place on that, but... I think just there's too much stuff nowadays where it's just ah uh, like that winds me up the single arm cable pull uh pull down or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, well, I, I think, like the straight arm thing you're talking that, about. That's it, that's it. Yeah. So yeah. they stand up and doing it and they're just thinking you could lift so much more if you literally just got underneath like a lap pull down thing, put your legs underneath it, and then just did a proper pull down rather than just fucking doing this fanny shit with a cuff and a straight arm. It's like you can't load that as much as what you would do that. It's just pointless. 
people yeah. just go to the extremes, though, don't they? They'll like they're either you know all barbells, dumbbells, or they're fucking all cables, and it's like they're all fucking tools. Use them all. Use yeah. them all. Yeah. Like why fucking? But people just love to go to those extremes, and then with the D handle stuff, like. Like you say, some of those machines, some of those like ISO pull downs, actually, it, it might make a lot of sense depending on the setup. But people see that and then they misinterpret that, and then they're like, "Well, I'm going to put a D handle on everything." It's like, no, you just you don't see if you don't get it, just fucking leave it, just fucking leave it, and just even some of the pull downs. Like if you do, if you don't get it at all, you could make it like so much worse. It's like that <laughs> pull down, it drops off nice hammer strength. One of you sit back on it slightly, and I'm seeing people like de-handling it, and it's just getting so much like harder down there. Yeah, yeah. What, why have you just put a fucking de-handle and made it completely terrible? So something my dad said is like someone that like sort of understands something is worse than someone that doesn't understand it at all, and that's yeah. exactly what we're fucking talking about. Like people that are just they just see other people doing it on Instagram. It's like you know. That tells a tale. If you're if you're getting your learning from Instagram, apart from like our Instagrams, <laughs> but like if you're getting yeah, all your learning from that. Instagram, apart from then, yeah, <laughs> then then yeah, that's that's probably a red flag. But um, oh fuck, I better not say. Oh fucking hell, though. So what we what we actually like cutting out this podcast and then putting it on Instagram just because <laughs> we're gonna get a big trigger off some people. So what? How how we triggered people today? What we I'm said? not saying anything. I was I was getting <laughs> it was hard. you who fucking did it. Yeah, I know. I know people were going to chin me, weren't they? Yeah, you were. He was getting it. <laughs> last week, um, or was it last week, two weeks ago on this, I, I said that coaching apps are red flags and people were at me. People were not happy. But you um, didn't, there's no context, really. But I know what you meant in terms of like the influencer shitty apps where it's just like fucking copy and pasted and they send mm-hmm. out whatever when um, taking on so many fucking clients or whatever. Rather than that, Kahunas looks good though. Looks like a decent app. Yeah, but, everyone uh, seems to be talking about that, but um, people oh, people lost their shit. It's like, if they put something up about a spreadsheet, I don't think I'd be commenting on it saying, well, actually, ours, ours are very good, and we were actually making it very good to mind. It's like, fuck off. Yeah, people got They're very, over. very upset, and I was like, I could tell, like, people getting so emotional. I mean, there was, like, some guy who commented it about 30 times, and I'm like, fucking hell. Yeah. Like, I think he was on the wind-up, to be fair. I think he was, like, enjoying so. uh, winding up that Ryan, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. It was, it was funny. He didn't have too much time. You People. probably get some shit on your Instagram. You've got a lot of followers, so you must get some weird shit, yeah? It's, see, to be honest, the majority of this stuff is just about gear. Like, <laughs> I, I pretty much, that's like the only shit I get is about gear. Might, I mean, it's like, might name this Keefe's going on gear and I'll get loads of lessons. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, to be fair, like, I, I genuinely would not even, I like, I, I say go for it. <laughs> <laughs> get a lot of listens. <laughs> yeah. People listen to it, they'll get to the end of this book. That that's yeah, Connor guy's a cunt. First he insulted yeah. my lap. <laughs> then he insulted my cable exercises. And now he fucking lied to me. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> getting banned. I'm gonna get cancelled soon. <laughs> Connor Moran, red flag. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, apparently. But cool. We'll wrap it up with that. Well, thanks for coming on, Keefe. And we appreciate your time. And um, then appreciate it. Most people that listen to this are going to already follow you, but if you want to let us know where we can find you online, you're also a coach as well. So put that out there. Advertise yourself. Yeah, so um over on Insta, I am Kiffy West underscore. I also have my coaching page, which is just made by Kiffy underscore. Um and YouTube's also another platform that I'm relatively um committed to you could say um yeah. uploads on there every single week which is just Kiffy West but apart from that um they are really my main places that you'll find me every single day um and again coaching side of things as well again it's all over Insta so no you're not doubt a TikToker it. are you oh man I 
whenever I can remember. Like, <laughs> I went through a phase where I was like putting so much time into making TikToks because whenever I upload videos, there's always people in the background either staring at me or there's just there's always reactions. And if I genuinely had more interest in making TikToks and making reaction videos, I reckon I could be a self made millionaire by now. But I just I've got no interest in making them. And I've got I've got this picture in my head of you doing a fucking funny dance, a TikTok dance or something now by by the deadlift bar. <laughs> don't mate, don't because I'll end up doing it. <laughs> you know, um, you not just repost any like reels you put on Instagram. That's all. Yeah, I, I pretty much, I pretty much just repost what goes on Insta. I'll try and remember to repost it on TikTok, but I, I, I don't know why I always forget about it. I'll go like a month and I'll be like, oh fuck, like it's because you're not twelve. Yeah. Well, true, true. <laughs> Growing out of it. Right, guys, we'll wrap it up with that. Thanks again for everyone to listening. Thanks for Keefe for coming on. Thanks for James for making this one because you weren't on the last one. So cheers, guys.